Okay, okay. Welcome. Let me uh, let me hit the music and we'll get right into it here. Hello, friends. Uh, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Preferred Lines Podcast. Your normal and usual host, Chad Eckert, is uh, out tonight, so you're stuck with me, Joe Idoni. Uh, we are going to do a full Ryder Cup preview, dish out some picks. I can't wait, man. I'm excited for a special guest joining me. You will see right over there, uh, Tom Jacobs. Uh, Tom hosts the Lost for Words podcast. He does a great European tour uh, specific show over there with our guy Skyhook on the Mayo Media Network. Tom, how are you? Welcome to Preferred Lines, my friend. Joe, thank you for having me on. Really looking forward to, uh, to chatting up. You know, it's been a it's been a good, it's been a busy week. Um, this is a great tournament. Um, you know, I wish I had a little bit more faith in my my European side this week, which I'm sure we'll get into very soon. Um, shame, obviously, Chad couldn't make it this week, but um, you know, grateful for you guys having me on. We'll get into that in just a moment. First of all, my friends, cheers. Uh, I usually drink beers on this show. You're welcome to have one yeah, yourself. I mean, Any wasn't quite that prepared, but uh, I will that's be okay. Round. Anyone in the chat, uh, feel free to drop a comment. We'd love to hear from you guys. Welcome to Ryder Cup Week. Before we dig right into it, um, you'll see the banner on the bottom there for our sponsor. It's Jock Market. It's currently not available over there in England, uh, but it is here stateside. Uh, it's awesome. Fantasy sports meets the stock market. Uh, essentially, you buy and sell shares of players as if they are a stock. That price goes up and down based on their performance. There's cool things now available like shorting and, and IPO phases, and there's a little bit of a learning curve, but a cool new way to sort of get some action on that. Promo code below PL will get you a $50 deposit match on your first um, on your first deposit. So very cool. We appreciate our friends there. Enough jock market. There's no contest this week with match play. Tom, let's just start right here, man. Uh, I'm going to put you kind of uh, as European tour captain. I'll play Team USA captain. I got this awesome sweatshirt here from my friend Chris Ferreter over at Sobe Promos. Uh, I just posted it on Twitter if you guys want to check it out. But but some very cool USA gear. You can see the you see the back there? That's yeah, pretty cool, that, isn't it? It's good. Yeah, Chris is a good guy as well. He's good. Absolutely. I'm supporting the troops this week. Tom, let's just kick it off right here. I want you, even if you don't believe it, we'll get to that in a minute, but I want you to make the case for me on how Europe, like what's their path to winning this Ryder Cup? So the path at the moment is we need uh, an astounding performance from John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, um, Victor Hovland needs to settle in straight away as a rookie. Um, and a guy that I've been very, very keen on this week is Paul Casey. Um, I think that he has been, you know, underused in Ryder Cups in the past. Probably a little bit his fault. Probably a little bit of bad timing at times. Um, and I think that it, the stage has never been set for him to perform better. Um, you know, yeah. he's 44 years of age, so he's in that kind of experienced bracket. But... Um, you know, he's, he's not playing like that. He's playing probably the best golf of his career. Um, I think I noted earlier in my Australian preview that he's actually made more top 10 finishes, including his win this year, than he's missed cuts over the last three years combined. So it's it's ridiculous the level he's been playing at. So I think those four guys um, are going to be key here. Um, Tommy Fleetwood's another guy as well that, you know, 
he hasn't been playing at the level that we've been used to, which is concerning. No. Um, but a lot of the talk, a lot of what Podrick Harrington said about his ball strikers and, and how keen he is for them to perform suggests Tommy's in for a high workload again. Um, we have to win foursomes. That's our thing. Like, you know, I think we need to go out early Friday and just set the tone. I'm a little bit worried, Joe, about preparing. Um, Podrick Harrington seems pretty stubborn. Um, okay. He, uh, from from the interviews I've been reading and, and sort of listening to, he's very much like against the whole nationality pairing. So I don't see uh, John Rahm and Sergio Garcia together, which I didn't really see anyway because they don't seem to gel that well. I did think there'd be a Rory and Lowry partnership, which he's kind of pouring water over, which I don't know if he's just doing that as a kind of mind game or he genuinely doesn't believe they'll merge. So it'd be interesting to see what they do there. But I think, you know, we really need to get something out of that morning session. And I think you have to play your guys that you're not quite sure about. So I think Ian Poulter is obviously a massive heartbeat of the Ryder Cup team, but he's not been that successful in recent years. Uh, for us, as much as you know, we, we, we see all the images of him at Medina and how how influential he was there, and he's brilliant in the singles, obviously unbeaten. But this course is tough for him, um, I think. So I think you need to put him out in the morning, probably with Sergio Garcia, and just see what they can conjure up and uh, and go from there. Great points. I'm going to make sort of I'm going to take the easy side here and make the case for I think how and why Team USA wins um, first. It's talent level, right? It's OWGR. I think that over the last couple of years, their players uh, collectively have gathered more wins, more great major finishes. They're higher in the world rankings. Uh, I think they just have a superior level of talent from top to bottom. It's really, it's really the balance, I think, of the team because the European team, I, I feel like there's a little bit of a cliff and a drop-off there after Rory and Rom. Uh, the USA team seems to have a little bit more balance throughout. Number two, right? The big, the big... Ryder Cup caveat that, that always plays a factor is course setup. Home field advantage matters. Uh, the home team or the host nation uh, gets to, to pick the course setup. They couldn't have picked something more tailor-made toward the strengths of the of the USA player, I think, than whistling straights. Uh, it's going to be distance off the tee, right? We've heard it all week. That's going to play an important factor. I think that that's one of their biggest advantageous positions in terms of assets of of players on this team and number three um look it, it's the environment right it's the home field advantage and and it matters in a Ryder cup i think that you know the sports are starting to come back and we're seeing this with with the nfl here over here in the last two weeks i feel like the fan experience is more appreciated this year and like you're seeing it with the tailgates at these nfl games um you know, people are happy to be back. People are happy to be back in stadiums. They're excited. Uh, they're not taking for granted that experience anymore. And this is a place that is just going to be ruckus. I think the people are going to let loose. They're going to pack them in there. Um, and they're going to have themselves a great time and truly enjoy it. And I think this team can sort of feed off of that 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 vibe, that adrenaline rush of having all these people cheering for you and the USA chance and and, and I can see myself and a lot of the players hopefully getting behind that uh, and hopefully leading them leading them to victory. But let's talk about um, the gambling side of it, like rule out Europe versus – who do you think at this point – I'm looking at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, Tom, which is yeah. our big one over here. 
Um, the European team is plus 210. USA is minus 190. If you were going to place a wager on that right now on Tuesday before the Ryder Cup, what side do you see the value on? It's so tough because obviously the, the idea is that you take that you take you know Europe at, at the plus money in the hope that they just do what they've done in previous Ryder Cups, right? Yeah. Um, but I've been very, very outspoken in the fact that I just don't think that can happen. Um, if you look at Hazeltine, it was pretty much a massacre. Uh, Medina should have been a massacre. Um, you know, we had to get eight and a half points on that Sunday just to win by a point. You know, it was it was absolutely ludicrous what we had to do to turn it around. We had to win those final two matches on Saturday to even stand a chance of doing that. So, um, but coming back to sort of a couple of your early points before we move on, there is two things. The core setup, I think, is key. I think. It's going to be interesting that they're kind of looking into the idea, I think, now of getting an independent body doing those uh, going forward. I don't know if that's ever going to come into place because I don't know what your feelings are on it because it, it basically just looks like at some point now it's just going to go Europe wins home, USA wins home, and it's just going to become a little bit kind of predictable and a bit boring um, because how long can Europe keep defying the odds on American soil? Like I just... I just don't see it. I mean, you guys have got six rookies on your team this year. Um, and they're not rookies, are they? That you know, like I saw at Hovland and Shane Larry, they're not really rookies. The six guys you've got are rookies by name only, and all that means is they've got no scar tissue in the Ryder Cup. So the environment must be brilliant. Like all of them believe they can win. Justin Thomas as an individual had a fantastic Ryder Cup in Paris on the losing side. Tony Finau, you know, played pretty well as well. Bryson obviously had a bad memory, but I think, you know, when he looks back at the fact that he was paired with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, not going to be too concerned there. And his, his match with Alex Norum was kind of over before it needed to be. So I would be on the USA side. I think there's actually more value in just backing them either wire to wire or, you know, you can just back them to win each day at better odds. Um, and I'd also back them to to win, just, just lead after day one, just be the probably the start for me because... If you did somehow get the kind of Medina thing where USA went out to a lead and somehow shit the bed right, I mean, I just can't see it happening. I don't see it being the case. Um, but, you know, that's probably a safer way of doing it, I suppose. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's two ways that I'm going to look to sort of bet. And one way I've already done, and that's sort of, um, the, the range outcomes of points, right? So I, I took, yesterday um the usa to win by one to three and the usa to win by four to six both of those are pretty decent plus money i believe one to three was plus 270 three to six was plus 350 um you combine those two bets together and you're still like plus 160 uh total and that's pretty much banking on them to win the tournament but not win by more than six points which i think is a rather you know, this team is great. I think the course setup is perfect for them, but um, I don't see this ending in a blowout. I really don't. The European squad is always so feisty and finds a way to just be crafty and scratch out these half points and never give in on a match, even though they may be uh, statistically outmatched. Look, I looked at the previous Ryder Cups since I've been alive, right, which is 1986. So going back to 85, We've never, the, the United States team has never won by more than six points in the last, what is that, 35 years. So um, it's not uncommon. I don't see the blowout. There's been three of them. They've all been on the European tour side. I think rather than laying two to one, because that, that's a big number, right? You're going to have to hang up a lot yeah. of dollars to get something back. 
um, in, 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 in betting like a football game or something else, that's a substantial favorite. I think the other way sort of makes sense. And the other way that I know you've talked a lot with, with Jeff, uh, Jeff Feinberg this week, who, who I was talking with as well, is the Sunday singles, right? Uh, I think the U.S. is minus 155 or 160 in that. I think that that makes a great play. You get all 12 matchups, and I think the depth of this team can really shine. I'm more worried uh, on about the European side uh, in sort of match in, in four balls and foursomes just because I think that they can find a way to, to collaboratively – um, you know, scratch together some points and, and maybe pull some upsets. But I think when you go top to bottom, uh, matchup for matchup, I, I really don't see a way that the European Tour is going to win, going to win six or more of those individual matchups. I think that that's probably the way to play it if you like the USA side versus laying minus two hundred. Yeah, and I mean, I think was it seventeen eleven in Hazeltine? I think it was about something like that. And yeah, it was. It was right by six. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and. That's probably the score I'd be looking at because when you when you think back to that week, um, you had Rory McIlroy and Thomas Peters playing exceptionally well, and I think that we can have something like that this week. I think we could have, you know, if they suddenly paired Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland together. I think that would be a perfect partnership, um, despite the fact that I want him to go out with John Rahm. But you know that th- that could be something that could work there, and I think they could scratch a few points doing it that way. I still think that someone like a you know a Paul Casey and a Cyril Hatton will win a match um, in in a four balls or foursome situation. But my my concern with the four balls and and what I don't really get is how you haven't been more dom- dominant in that respect because you would think you know the, the whole idea is that like the, the USA side is always stacked and they're always a stronger team. And then yeah. you've got two chances of them being the better player on on the course, and and I just don't see how you don't dominate. But it's interesting when you look back at Paris. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, it was three one in the morning session in the foursomes as well to the USA. And I think people forget that because of how good we were, and that's massive. Like yeah. you know, they've had that experience of winning three one in foursomes. I think that sneakily DJ could be quite good this week if he gets the right partner. Um, because he's a guy that look he you know everyone looks at his record is pretty average. He's the most experienced on this team, but he's been swapped and changed about so much. I mean, I can't even keep up with the guys that he's been partnered with. Um, and, and if he can sort of find a home uh, with a player, it's not going to be Brooks Kepka anymore. It's not you know I think that the early talk is going to be with Colin Morikawa. If Colin Morikawa is fit and healthy and, and back to playing the sort of goal that we saw him in the Open Championship, then him and DJ will make a, a pretty electrifying pairing. Well, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit, because, um, you know, we've heard so much this week about how the European tour side has always sort of uh, embraced a a more analytical approach in terms of pairing guys together. Do you know you have a guy like DJ who's who's probably let me look here. Is he the most? Yeah, he's he's the most experienced guy by a good margin on the USA team, but he's arguably maybe in the worst form on the team. So, so from an analytical side, like, do you, are you in the boat where I'm going to, I'm going to play experience and that matters a ton in Ryder cup, or I'm just going to ride the hot hands in the Morikawas and like these kids who, who are young and don't have a lot of experience, but are coming into this playing great over the last two months. I think the USA are going to lean on two pairings in particular, which are, you know, I'm, not going to say anything that will shock anyone listening to this show right now. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, and it's going to be Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. Those two teams are going to be ridden, I think, for, for the four matches and then play the singles. 
Um, and then it's and then it's what you can sprinkle in between. Is Brooks Kepka going to play with Tony Fee now? That's something that's been kind of rumored again. Um, Bryson, I mean, Rick Gaiman brought this up in the check, I think people may actually clamor to play with him. I kind of saw it as a he'll just play in four balls. He'll want to play Bridgestone. No one else will want to play Bridgestone. Just yeah. leave him to it. And and actually, it might be that someone actually goes, well, actually, I'll, I'll have a go at hitting your, you know, approach shot from, from <laughs> yeah. where you've landed it. Like, you know, yeah, I'll, hit your, I'll hit your B330 uh, <laughs> yeah. as long as I only have 70 yards in, right? I mean, Colin Morikawa has never seen that kind of distance. Harris English isn't seeing that. So there's guys, Daniel Berger, that would, would probably take advantage of that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's, it's tough because I think you, what you want to do with Bryson is you want him to get off to a hot start. You want him to to get the best start possible. Is Do you need him in the foursomes at the start? I mean, you've obviously got those two pairings I've just said there. You can probably wheel out DJ Morikawa as one and they would probably win depending on who they get matched up against. And and then I think you can... I mean, I don't, I, again, the, the pairings are so tough this year that I, I just don't see... Uh, I think that the the Americans are actually easier to pair than the Europeans, but even then, because you've got these six rookies, and even even the guys that have played, there's three of them that have only played one in in Paris as well, which is a completely unfair look at what they could do in the Ryder Cup because that course was just so terrible. I mean, Justin Thomas was superb, and that's because he came and played the tournament over there on the European tour uh, beforehand. So. Yeah, I just I, I don't know what the path to success is for Europe, and and I think the the biggest opportunity is that they go and get those early wins in the foursomes when America are kind of figuring out what to do with their pairings because from everything that Podrick's saying in his interviews, he's he's set on his pairings. Like oh, he yeah. was saying he was saying that no matter what they do in practice, he said, I've been building up this team for three years. He said, I'm not going to change my mind based on whether someone has a bad practice session. And that kind of worries me a little bit because if there's a yeah. guy who's rocking it out on the, on the, on the course or Ian Poulter can't reach any of the par fives or, you know, it's not, it's not going to happen obviously because, you know, they're good enough to do it. But to me, that, that seems a little bit stubborn. And I think that Podrick is the type of guy as much as I think, I actually think he's probably got the upper hand as a captain because I think he's, He's maybe more analytical and he's maybe more um, versed in the Ryder Cup. You know, he's won more, obviously, than Stricker has. Um, but I think that, you know, he's like, right, nationality pairings have not worked in the past. Someone asked him in the presser earlier, can Sergio Garcia and John Rahm be like Seve and Jose Marino Rafael? And he said, well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? He said, even if they're only 80%, that'd be great. He said, maybe you should just do my job for me and was really sarcastic about it. Uh-huh. Um, and then kind of just put cold water again so that's not going to happen so to me he's kind of very much set i mean i think uh, who's going to go with ram so the early indication and i was really hoping it's ram and hovland to me i was like right just send ram and hovland out first game let ram go against everybody anybody because he's got that, yeah. that kind of pj tour player of the year snub uh hovland needs a quick introduction um but apparently he's going to go with fitzpatrick the, the early look is that he might be paired with Fitzpatrick. I don't, I and this is what bothers me about this analytical approach to Europeans. I can't see anything that suggests to me that putting John Rahm and Matthew Fitzpatrick together is a good idea because it's not like I remember they tried to shoehorn him in with Henrik Stenson at Hazeltine, and my idea was like, okay, well, yeah. he's going to take advantage of Stenson's ball striking with Fitz's putting. Rahm doesn't need help putting, so why put him with a guy? I think. 
I think Ram needs someone that is exactly at his level. He needs um, he needs probably a Paul Casey or a Victor Hovland. You know, it's not going to be Rory McIlroy, so there's no point talking about those two guys that can just match him blow for blow, ball striking. So he hasn't got to carry someone. I don't think he wants the responsibility of dragging someone up to his level. Um, so I'd be a bit concerned about that pairing. Here's one that has really interested me, and I kind of put out a, a semi-joking take earlier, and, and it was really about Bryson, but I, I want to talk about Brooks a little bit. So I think Steve Stricker has an immense amount of respect for Brooks when he comes in that room. Um, everything that I, I know about the two sort of leading up, you know, Brooks obviously won that that first major championship at Aaron Hills where it was like sort of a victory lap for for Stricker that week in many instances. And I think it sort of developed there and it, it has continued to be a solid relationship. I think he's got a lot of respect for him. He's obviously got some question marks around the injury. There's some question marks around some comments that he made in the Golf Digest piece about um, maybe a, a lack of excitement in terms of playing with teammates um, and not playing it as an individual game. I think he's going to play a lot. And I think, do you, is, what are the chances you think? I think they might put him with Bryson at least once. I, I really do think that, that this was sort of squashed in a team room meeting, if not this week, a week prior. I think that them two, and Brooks needs a little bit of good PR at this point. He need, you know, he's he's kind of taken some heat with with the backlash that fans are starting to really get to Bryson on this. He had the golf digest piece that didn't work great for him. A lot of people came out very negative on him, you know, for for saying some of the things that he did and the honesty that I think he really approached it with. I think he's got to look at this from a perspective of I can gain so I can get back in everyone's good graces, you know, by just saying I'm the bigger guy, put me with Bryson, let's go out there. The whole team, the whole country, all the fans sort of rally around this and and they'd be the the most watched group probably pairing in Ryder Cup history. Like all eyes on the course is following that particular group just to see what they do. If someone makes a putt, are they going to look at each other? Are they going to fist bump? Like God forbid, like the pictures, the media would go insane. Um, and that would, I feel like that'd be so good for Brooks to be so good for this team. Is there any chance that we see that happen, Tom, or am I crazy? So I think there's, there's, the story ways to look at is first of all, is whether you believe in the feud in the first place. I don't know if it was just manufactured for this kind of pit money. Um, that That's my one concern with that is that they were just never that bothered. I think that, Eventually, because all the fans took it at face value, Bryson was getting a lot of abuse, and then eventually they had to just sort of curb it. Um, it's interesting. Bryson made a comment today that um, you know I've, I fit really well with a certain type of player, and you'll see that in the coming day. And and then he said we've got something coming soon. So there is absolutely no reason not to pair them as a four ball because Brooks likes to do his own thing. Bryson likes to do his own thing. Just let them. One of them is going to make a birdie on each hole. Thank let you. them do it. Um, the only concern is what you said in the sense that everybody's going to be watching that. Yeah. is Does that take away from what the other guys are doing on the course and that negatively impacts a Jordan Sweep or Justin Thomas? Because the Europeans are going to be fine with that because that means the rest of them, because they've got no fans there, right? I mean... Yeah. Joe Biden's, you know, Joe Biden's conveniently left us uh, out of the uh, states until November for the Ryder Cup. So, yeah. um, it, I think 
I think it only benefits Europe that you would have all those fans on one hole, and that would happen as well. Like, it's, it's not you're not exaggerating. There would be so much attention because, like you say, everyone wants to see would they fist bump one another. I think they would. I think Brooks Kepka is pretty lax. Doesn't really. I don't think he doesn't care. I think I think that's always an act. I think he's trying to live up to that a little bit. But I think he's just someone that just struggles like DJ. Just there's obviously an emotion. You know, you saw it with DJ at the Masters. There's obviously an emotion in them to be as competitive as they are. But it's kind of like, okay, yeah, great. There's another birdie. That's what we're meant to do. So to answer your question in a, in a shorter way than what I've just done, yes, it could happen in the four balls. I think. Yeah, there's times when he definitely plays up the I don't care, but but he is very. He may not care, but he's very aware. Like he is aware of what's being said about him. He's aware of the perception of Brooks. He he sees everything. I think, um, and and I think that he's maybe a little bit aware right now that that he's rubbing people a little bit the wrong way, and he's not winning at the clip that he once was. You know, two three years ago. Uh, maybe this is a way to to sort of endear a lot of people who have who have soured a little bit on Brooks and Bryson. Like everyone sort of picked a side over here, you know, six months ago before the U.S. Open, and we were hoping this all happened. I think this is just a great way for both of them to just say we're both on the same side here. Like we're all on the same side. Um, I think it would be really cool to see one guy. I, I wanted that concerns me on Team USA. And I think he's going to play a lot. And you mentioned the likelihood of him playing with Justin Thomas. But I don't think this is the best fit for Jordan Spieth. I don't think that he's been the best Ryder Cup player in general. I think that he had a great pairing, obviously, early on with Patrick Reed. I don't think – I think of all the players on Team USA, this may be one of the worst – uh, situations in terms of, of course fit and it doesn't play Pete Dye very well. Um, he's not a bomber by any means. And the last couple of months, he really kind of lost it off the tee in some respects. And, and I don't know that um, he makes a great pairing for Justin Thomas, even though they're such good friends. They're both a little wild off the tee. I think that Thomas would be so much better with with someone who is who is much straighter and much more accurate off the tee and can really take advantage of his fantastic wedge play from like the hundred yard range. Um, what are your thoughts there? Do you think it's pretty much a lock that those two go out together, or could we see a change there? I think it's a lock in the first instance, and I, and I take on board a lot of what you said there. I mean, the the, the first counter argument would be that Jordan Spieth finished second at the PJ Championship here in 2015. Um, there you but go. 2015, he was a, a completely different guy, right? You know, he was mm-hmm. on top of the world. He was chasing the, the kind of, um, you know, the Grand Slam and things like that. So, you know, it's it's tough, isn't it? Because it depends how you view the 2018 Ryder Cup. Did Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas win in spite of Spieth's uh, in spite of speed because Thomas was so good, or did they win because they were such a good pairing? And I honestly can't remember how much, you know, who you know who contributed the most out of the two of them. It, it's it's very difficult to know that as well because, you know, you look at Molinari and Fleetwood, and yeah. you go right, they were so good, and then Fleetwood got absolutely waxed by Fino on the Sunday, and you're yeah. like, okay, you know, what happened there? And it may just be that Molinari was. You know the informed guy in the world, and 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 he rode the coattails a bit. And if the same was to happen with Spieth, I think you'd find it out pretty early. And and it was interesting that the um I can't remember it wasn't made the comment now. It might have been Rick that 
everyone talks about Bryson being a difficult person to play foursomes with because of the fact that he's going to drive it here and there everywhere. Spieth is very it, neurotic. Yes. Like, and if his putter isn't great this week, Thomas has obviously been cold with the putter for quite a long period of time now. Um, and that would scare me as a, as a, as a USA, you know, fan or captain or whatever, that one of them would need to get hot. So the interesting thing is whether you do split them up and use them as captains in, in other pairings and, and Thomas goes with, you know, one of the rookies and, and Spieth goes with Bryson. I mean, it's, it's just, it's such hard guesswork because you're trying to read in between the lines. I mean, that, that Fitzpatrick and Rahm on the European side was basically built together from the fact they interviewed with one another. And then you look at the, the practice groups today and John Rahm's played with Lowry, Fleetwood and Hatton. So now everyone's saying it's going to be Rahm and, and Hatton. And then where does that leave? And then, that would make sense because Fleetwood and, and Lowry would be a good pairing. So then that, where does that leave my Paul Casey pick that I've been charming on about for the, you know, the past week? Does so, he go with Rory maybe, you think, Casey? Or where do you think they're going to put – who are they going to put so, with Rory? Is it Vic? So, uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Victor. And okay. then it's going to be Westwood and Sergio. And then Casey is currently in the pool with Fitzpatrick, Poulter, and Wiesberger. And I talked about Casey being the guy that took Wiesberger into the four balls because – he, he's a guy that they want to expose to early. Four balls seems to be the better, uh, you know, suitability for him. Um, but then that leaves him kind of playing with Fitzpatrick or Poulter in, in the foursomes, I think. And that would worry me a little bit. So every time, every day that's gone past, I've done three different videos and every single day has gone past. <laughs> it's like I'm learning a new thing that makes me worry about everything that I'm saying. And, and I just think until you get to Thursday night when, when the pairings are announced, um, you're just not going to be sure. I think, I think that the reason I'm so confident in the USA side, which is a horrible thing to say, is their talent can just win out. Like we don't have enough good players. Well, we just, obviously they're all good players. That's that's a completely wrong thing to say. We don't have enough elite players to just bail us out. You know, we have got Ram, Rory, Hovland, and I would say Casey. And then you've got if Hassan and Fleet would have played like they were when they're going into 2018, that'd have been fine, but they're not. Uh, Fitzpatrick is hit or miss. Westwood is horrendously out of form. Watched him at Wentworth, and it was it was painful to actually see him cling on. Uh, Sergio has been ball striking superbly for you know 18 months, but has a bad history at this golf course with two miscuts and a 54th. And I just don't think it's near and pole to track. Like again. They were asked in, you know, Harrison was asking a presser, do you want wind? Like, is, is wind a good thing for the Europeans? And he was like, well, we had a bit of wind today and that was fine. He said, but I don't want it to be a really strong wind. He said, I've bought all these ball strikers here this week based on it being a ball striker's course. I'm not going to be blown off the course. And the other thing is, the windier it gets, surely the more it plays into the American's hands because of the driving of the ball. So, yeah, it's so too. everything that's kind of all the narratives that are being pointed towards it being a European win just get cut down so quickly and you look at it and you go like i wrote the piece earlier and scheffler was the biggest question mark on the usa team and you're like yeah that's a great problem to have because he there is no question marks over scotty scheffler really is there well the only question mark would really be the fact that he has no experience right the 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 yeah. rookie aspect of it and kind of you know morikawa is a guy that um is also a rookie obviously but i think there was an expectation level of Morikawa 
for the last year and a half that he was going to be on this team, right? He was the future. It's like it's like Hovland for the European side. Yeah. While they're rookies, they've been in discussions with their captains for the last two years about being on this team, and they're going to be the stalwarts moving forward. I think Scheffler was kind of a little bit late to the party here and made sort of a late surge. Maybe he's the guy that, that just got in when the situation with Patrick Reed happened. I don't know that we'll ever really find that out. But, yeah, I mean, he does so many things well. He's a fantastic driver of the ball. Um, short game, he can get a hot putter. He has these stretches that seem to kill him in tournaments of of a couple of bogeys in a row. He'll, he'll go birdie, birdie, and then bogey. He just needs to make more pars. But I think in the right situation here, uh, particularly in the four balls, that, that I think that he can be very advantageous to have on your team. I want to go through a little bit. Uh, I'm going to pull it up here just to the individual team point scores and uh, just see if you have a take on a guy. I'll kind of give mine. Let me see if I pull this up correctly here. Yeah, so this is DraftKings Sportsbook here. Team USA top point score. I like – I might like Brooks here at 9-1. to one. I think that Xander is probably the guy, and I do like Patrick Cantlay a lot, but the reason that I'm a little bit shy on that is I think that – he's playing fantastic and I, he's such a, a dog in these situations. And I think he's going to go out as our top player when we get to those singles matches and they're going to put him square up against John Rahm or Rory. And I think that that's going to be a tougher matchup for him. I think Xander maybe gets a little bit of a relief there and maybe slides, you know, it's probably going to be Cantlay Thomas. I would say take on Rory Rahm um, just playing things out in my head and Xander may get a more favorable singles matchup. Uh, against like a Paul Casey or someone like that, where I think he has a pretty good advantage. And Brooks really comes down to whether you think he's going to to play enough. Do you have a lean on on any of these guys in the individual point scoring? So I think a really important point that you made there is that the better you are, the better competition you're going to play. And I think that that is what's happened to Jordan Spieth as an individual. Is he's lost his own six right in Presidents Cup and and Ryder yeah. Cups in the singles, and that's because he's always going out at the top of the order trying to get the points. So um, point. I think I think that's a massive factor for him. I think it could be a good idea to kind of not – you don't want to sit him out, obviously, but it could be an idea to put him in the middle of the pack so he's playing against a, I don't know, a Lee Westwood or a Matthew Fitzpatrick in the singles yeah. so that he can kind of, you know, just get a win under his belt in that format. So um, – to answer your question, Xander Shuffler is a guy that I put up as a top combined point scorer. Uh, the reason being I separated him and Cantley purely based on putting. So I know this is yeah. a bit of a ridiculous thing to say considering what Cantley just did at the, the BMW, but yeah. he gained 14 strokes that week. Um, yeah. You look at, I think it's probably the past four or five seasons, back to, to Xander's rookie season, Cantley's only finished higher than him once in strokes game putting. Um, you know, generally throughout the course of a season, Xander is the better putter. I think over, you know, one round, I would like, that, you know, because with, with Cantler, his ball striking is so good that if he can have one good round out of the four days putting, he's going to gain a load of strokes and, and you know, go low there. If that doesn't come on Sunday, he could come on stuck in the singles, whereas I don't see Xander sabotaging himself quite that way. So Xander would be the guy for me, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And... Then just going back on to what we were saying there, I mean, you, you looked at Brooks at nine to one. Uh, Bryson, you know, if, if what we've just said, you know, it's just a case of whether you believe he's going to play in any foursomes. Um, I think I think the two guys at the bottom there, unfortunately, Harris English is a guy that I personally thought would be a good fit for, for Dustin Johnson. Now, 
and and it's it's a very very loose connection in the sense that they they kind of grew up in neighboring states obviously and yeah. that that was kind of south carolina and georgia sort of linked there but also you look at where they've where harris english has won and it's basically where dj wins you know is at the fedex st jude is at Kapalua. um you know he was he was right behind him there at um, travelers too Georgia, right travelers yeah. too yep so both on that and then the Northern Trust, he was a guy that was the only mm -hmm. one close to him. So it, it just interests me that although he's not a big hitter, he just seems to play the same sort of golf course as well. So maybe they've just got more similar games than, than we kind of attribute it to. So it would be interesting to see if, if any of that sort of thing has come into the thinking with, with captains. I don't think it has because I think, you know, these books know, right, that if someone's at 16 to 1, he's probably not playing much golf. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much inside information they have, but they must have some sort of lean to it. Yeah. What about? Let's switch over to the Europe side here. Um, what sticks out to you here? Where do you like in terms of top point score on the European side? So I still want to be bullish on Casey. I think that you know I'm going to just have to ride that pick until it goes. Um, it's just like his his record is just absolutely phenomenal. As I said earlier, you know, with the consistency, um, he was 12th and 30th in the two PGA championships he's played here. I think he was, was it fourth at uh, PGA championship at, um, a Kiowa, which is obviously a sort of similar linksy type feel. Mm -hmm. uh, seventh at the U S open. And I think he was 17th the year before as well. So just on these tough golf courses and suddenly in major championships as well. Second, obviously to, to Morikawa up at uh, Harding park. He just seems to be, getting himself even at the players championship at the wgc's top fives top threes and and the biggest negative towards paul casey's always been he hasn't won enough and that's still the case in the sense that he's not turning all of these things into victories but he just seems to put himself there so often and he's doing it like four he doesn't look like a 44 year old man i mean no. I, don't, I don't i don't hang around very many paul casey's at 44 years of age he is you know he looks like he's 30 and in his prime so um yeah, I, I Paul Casey for me, and and he's come down a little bit. I think he was ten to one uh, earlier. So, I guess for me, it's just whether you believe he can play in five matches because he never has done. Um, but I also think the situation has never been better for him to do so. I would agree with you there. I would be reluctant of going up top here. Obviously, Rom and Rory are the two best players, but I also think that to your point. Uh, a couple of minutes ago, they're going to draw the toughest matchups, not only in singles, but in the four balls. They're going to go up against Cantlay and Xander and, and the Justin and Spieth teams. So those are going to be sort of tough draws for them, which which brings you sort of to the next tier down with um, it, when you get to that Casey tier. So I think that they could have more favorable matchups. The other guy that I would look at and the only other one I would really consider is potentially Sergio Garcia. I don't know how many times he's he's going to play a la Paul Casey. I don't know that he gets the full five rounds in, but I just look at those two. And once you get out of, of Rom, Rory, Victor, those two are the best drivers on this team by far. Um, they have a huge advantage off the tee, which I think is going to to lend itself to the most success at this course versus, you know, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitz, Poulter. Um, those two guys can drive it with anyone on Team USA, and I think that, that should set up well for them. I think I think with Sergio as well is that, to me, I was always just put off by the course history, right? Yeah. And it's not going to be set up in that way. You know, it's going to be rough down. Right. But it's going to be accessible pins. It's going to be what he's been used to his whole career playing on PGA Tour uh, circuit. So actually, 
and and I kind of I think there's a no laying up guys kind of tweeted saying he had it on a string earlier. Um, don't know how much to believe in that because they have a, an interest in European bias on their podcast. But um, you know, he would be if, if there's any early if he goes out in the morning and he gets a point. I think he could go to five matches because he's so adaptable, right? I mean, yeah. you know, the idea is that he goes out with Lee Westwood maybe once because they're formidable foursomes record that comes from 20 years ago when they were you know right at their pomp, but. He can go out and put an arm around Victor Hovland. He can go out and and I think he would make a great pairing with Tommy Fleetwood because I think that he could replace that Francesco Molinari mold and they can just ball strike the way to victory. I think he'd pair really well with Paul Casey for the exact same reasons. Yeah. Um, I don't want to put him with Ian Poulter. I think that's just putting two Ryder Cup guys together for the sake of it. Um, I don't really want to put him with Tyrrell Hassan. I think that's too fiery. Um, and, and then, you know, you're kind of left with, you know, the obvious people at the top, which he's not going to get paired with, he's not going to go wrong, he's not going to go with Rory. So, right, right. I think I think he can. He, the, the trouble with him is the same as the, the, the concerns I have with Casey's. It all depends on who they get paired with because mm-hmm. I think because they're so versatile, it can be a negative and they could end up being asked to drag someone up in performance. You know, Casey is going to possibly have to drag Hatton up uh, to his level back to what they were in 2018 because he's been out of form. So, they're victims of their own success, I think. Any other thing? Like, I'm going to totally open it up. Any other thing that that you've that you've bet or you've got your eye on from a team props to an individual thing that you think holds a little bit of value this week? Uh, it, it's, it's a completely different one here, but I, you look at I think it's the past four Ryder Cups and five of the last seven. After day one, the lead has been five three. Um, and I really like, I really, really like that. I think that there's, you know, that opens up the opportunity to go three and one in the four balls for America and two and two in the foursomes. It equals up going sort of like, uh, there's various different ways of getting to that five and three scoreline. And it makes a lot of sense as to why they got there. So that was exactly, you know, you, you think about all these shutout victories that there have been in this Ryder Cup and it's always been two points between them after day one. But that's quite an astounding thing to have. So it really is. It, and I think I've read earlier as well that Europe have never led after the first session in the last, God knows how years, seven years or whatever it was. So seven Ryder Cups. So I think I think there's a there's an idea that they could go two and two in the foursomes, three and one in the four balls to the US side, and US lead five three after the first day. Um, I'm pretty sure my figures are right on that. I hope they are because I've written that a lot this week. So, um, yeah, five three would be the scoreline there, and it's tough, isn't it? Because those player props, you can just get carried away. Um, yeah, you can you go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, quick. and and you go, okay, well, if I'm not, if it's not going to be Casey, it could be Hovland. If it's not going to be Hovland, it could be Sergio, and you just take three of them and hope for the best. Um, but interestingly, the the rookie markets are interesting because obviously America had six of them. And you're betting on guys that are not really rookies, so it's hard to kind of separate them. Um, again, I'd probably go with Xander Shoffley, but that means me taking him in that market, the top US and the top combined, and suddenly you're on the hook for Xander Shoffley having a really good week. Um, I think I think the other market is the top English is a safe way to play Paul Casey because... Um, you know, Tommy Fleet was not playing how he was. He hasn't got Francesco Molinari there. Hatton's out of form. Westwood and Fitzpatrick are not going to play a lot. And Poulter is, you know, questionable to, to perform here. So I think that that is a, maybe a safer way that I think Casey could probably win that with two and a half or three points. Listen, Tom, 
so much fun talking to you, man. I really appreciate you. You've been churning out so much content this week. I know that it's uh, that it's late over there. Listen, when do we? Do you know? And and can you let our audience in? So Thursday, right at the at the sort of opening ceremonies, I believe yeah. they take place around like six o'clock. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That is, so on Thursday they will announce obviously the the morning pairings yeah. and who's going out. Is that all that is announced at that time, or do they announce the afternoons as well? No, so it'd definitely just be the morning sessions and then the, the afternoon sessions get announced as later on into the round, I think, uh, of the foursome sessions. So I think they do have to be in before the, the morning session finishes, um, but not, not before then. Got it. Okay. Do you think it's going to be – would you hold off on some of these maybe individual scoring props and stuff like that until maybe we find out? Because it's it's such an advantage to know your guys going out in that first group Friday morning, right? You, you've probably got, I guess, a few minutes when yeah. the announcement is being made to quickly hit those guys. I'd have them in, in your betting slip, ready to go, yes. make your bets as soon as those parents come out because they're going to quickly get adjusted. Um, and I think that's the way, that is the way you have to go, right? I mean, obviously, with the, with the way that we put our content out and, and the things that we do, we kind of have to make these earlier picks. But if someone said to me, right, give me all your bets on Thursday night, that'd be great because I can just, I can <laughs> sit here and take in all the information, all the presses and everything and know the pairings. So if I get to, to Friday morning and, and Paul Casey isn't going out and, and someone performs really well, he doesn't get any afternoon either, um, suddenly my, my bet is dead in the water. So, yeah, I think I think there is definitely uh, an opportunity to wait for that kind of press conference. Um, then you, the opening ceremony, sorry, get your pairings, know what you want to do from there, but be quick. Have those bet tickets ready. That's sort of the beauty of this little golf Twitter niche that we've created is is you can find such instantaneous information. <laughs> but like you mentioned, it moves it moves so fast. Um, we're Tuesday. We're three days away from the. It's, it's just still technically, I think they're calling it the 2020 Ryder Cup. Yeah, uh, whistling uh, straights. We're we're excited for it. It's been a year in the making. Uh, Tom Jacobs, thank you so much for joining us on Preferred Lines. Tom, he does a fantastic job with the European Tour Picks and Betting Show. Uh, he's got the Lost for Words podcast. Check him out. Give him a follow. Uh, any parting words here, Tom, before I take us off the air? No, just a, a massive thank you to yourself and obviously Chad as well. Obviously, the, the hard work that you guys put into this show. Obviously, Chad wasn't here this evening, but um, I'm sure we'll catch up and have another show in the future. Um, and it was just really great to chat with you. I mean, you know, I said to you earlier, there's been a busy week, but I never get tired of talking this stuff. And, uh, you know, what have we chatted here? Another 45 minutes and and we're still no clearer to the uh, to the guys that are going to get those leading points. So uh, one day the puzzle will be, uh, be worked out. That's right. We're look, we're working on eleven fifteen here in Kent, England. Uh, your time. It's time for you to get a little rest for for a big week ahead. Tom, fun fact: Kent. Uh, that's that's in England, correct? Yep. I grew up in Kent, Ohio. So so we're you know we're connected. A little obscure connection there. Uh, best of luck to you, Tom. Enjoy the Ryder Cup week, everyone. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks, Jack.